the show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. What's up, what's up? It's Jared, and you know, it's times like these that I'm proud to be part of the Posse. I see it every day. You're reaching out to each other, sharing your experiences, expressing support, and just listening to each other. So keep it up. I can tell you, you never know when a single note or a comment can make a difference for someone. I've seen it, and I know you're going to keep doing that. Speaking of making a difference, here on this program, we are done with the status quo in how healthcare is marketed and experienced. It's over. It's finito. Bye-bye. It flew out the window along with any sense of normal when the pandemic hit. We are no longer pretty thing producers who are happy to let other people dictate how healthcare is marketed and experienced. We are growth engineers and we're the voice of the consumer helping design the experiences that healthcare actually needs. We call it marketing forward. So here's what's going to go down today. We'll kick things off with the flavor of the week about developing a taste for disruption. Then we've got Lee Acey in the house. You know, Lee's such a big deal. I think he could just go like by his first name and everyone would know who we're talking about. Lee is the communications director for social and digital innovation for the Mayo Clinic. And he's a member of the Healthcare Internet Hall of Fame. Okay, ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Are we content with watching disruption happen all around us or do we want to be the ones doing the disrupting? You know those light bulb moments, those epiphanies when an idea hits you upside the head and just doesn't leave you alone? That was me a few weeks ago while interviewing Sean Nason on our partner podcast, The Paradigm Shift of Healthcare. Sean is the consultant responsible for designing the consumer experience for the new Walmart health clinics. I mean, if you want to know what it means to disrupt, talk to someone in retail health right now. With each detail he described, those light bulbs kept going off for me as if they were blocking out the rest of the world so that all I could think about was one single clear message. Disruption is coming. It can come from anywhere and anyone, including me. I'll share more musings on the new meaning of disruption in digital healthcare down the road, but needless to say, the light bulbs continue to go off. And yes, if you're wondering, I am proud of myself for using the word epiphanies correctly in a sentence. But think about this, right? Many of you have had your own light bulb moments, haven't you? In your day-to-day course of business, you've looked at the challenges in the way that healthcare organizations approach digital consumerism, and you've come up with better ways to do it. I know because you've shared many of them with me. Marketers, communicators, and digital teams have some of the best ideas for solving the challenges of consumer transformation because we understand consumers. We understand what they want. We understand the tech. We understand the data. We know what works. And now nothing has made this more apparent than the pandemic. In the midst of all those sleepless nights, you've mentally jotted down things that need to change long term. 
we can help by developing a taste for and comfort level with disruption. And it starts with how we label ourselves. The more that we in healthcare label ourselves as behind the times, the more our minds accept that and allow it as an excuse for why we aren't disrupting. It's always someone else's fault. It's always the industry. And we stunt our own ideas for progress. Also, the more we talk about disruption without taking any actions, the more the term itself loses meaning, and the more we trick ourselves into thinking that we're becoming disruptors simply by talking about it. Sorry, that's not how it works. So the first way to develop a taste for disruption is to believe in our own ideas and stop blocking our ability to develop those ideas. So let me just slightly tweak what I said earlier. Yes, disruption can come from anywhere, but not only can it come from anyone, it must come from us. Sean Nason's mantra is disrupt or be disrupted. Okay, so start now. Start with yourself. Get used to not being comfortable and not sitting still. I've heard colleagues describe the pandemic as a lot of things, but comfortable is not one of them. Walmart Health is disrupting from the bottom up. Plenty of people are ignoring them at their own risk. I'm telling you, that's the story of disruption. People ignore it until it's too late. Not us. We're the disruptors. We're agents of change. And the time is now. You think COVID-19 disrupted the way that healthcare is marketed and experienced? Wait until you see what's coming next. I challenge you to be a part of it. And that's the Flavor of the Week. Hey, so it's time to spread the awesome with this week's guest. We've got Lee AC in the house. Lee's the Communications Director for Social and Digital Innovation at the Mayo Clinic and the Director of the, of the Mayo Clinic Social Media Network. Lee, how are you doing? Doing great and glad to be with you, Jared. Thanks for having me on. Holy cow, how is life these days? Well, it has been just an, an amazing and wild ride. I think, you know, in early March, maybe mid-March, I guess it was, is when we went to uh, full-time teleworking in our department because of the COVID-19 pandemic response. And we, you know, had a really hectic time during that initial ramp up. We instituted some new strategies, some tactics that would enable us to better connect with our, our staff and to manage this all. And I think after the first, you know, week or so, with some of these new things that we put in place, I thought, well, good. At least now, now things are going to be normal. <laughs> it just hasn't been that way. I mean, it's, uh, there's been something new every week with the, nature of what we have to do to to cope with uh, the changing times. You're not kidding. Even the word normal these days, I don't know if any of us knows what that means anymore. So, uh, the, well, yeah, there's, there's at least gotten to be a little routine. I mean, I, I do feel like I've got a, a decent routine going now, but routine in terms of the amount, of, you know, sort of the daily operations of getting the black coffee first thing in the morning and getting on their master control call for the hikes activation I mean, you get some routine, but but normal doesn't quite uh, describe it, I guess. Yeah, or at least maybe the, the new normal and parts of it probably will stick with us at some point. And then it's what everyone's trying to figure out of what's going to be the ongoing, the day-to-day from here on out. And it just feels like it's going yeah, to be think, somewhere in between. There, yeah, there are going to be some important changes, I think, and some that are going to be really positive. I was talking with Dr. Ferris to me, Amy, who's our medical director for the Mayo Clinic Social Media Network, he's a cardiologist, deals with patients with heart failure. And one of the things he saw that came out of, you know, that has come out of it is that Medicare has changed the reimbursement so that video visits are reimbursed nearly as well as in-person visits. And so for a lot of his patients who travel some distance, 
he may very well be able to provide good care, good maintenance to them and have fewer in-person visits, but uh, maybe maybe more frequent or, you know, I don't totally understand all of that, but what he was just saying is that that's, that's something that long-term will be a real positive where, and likewise with us teleworking. I mean, I've teleworked for four straight weeks now and I never would have imagined that. Like I would on occasion telework one day a week if I've got a big project and I'm heads down on writing something. There's always just a little bit of, you know, should be in the office. And now that just hasn't been possible, you know, to be in the office. And we are finding out that you can get a lot done. I mean, it's when you avoid, like I've got about a 45 minute one way commute. And so avoiding that and just there's an ability to work you know, really efficiently this way. So I'm not saying that we're going to go to 100% telework because there's things that being face-to-face with our doctors is important and helpful. And like if we're going to shoot a video with them, although we're, you know, we're doing some stuff with technology too. But there, but I also, I mean, we also see even in media relations when our my colleagues that are on our media relations team, we've got a great studio at Mayo Clinic and we can do broadcast you know, good broadcast quality stuff. But guess what? Broadcast quality is different than it used to be because you look at the, you know, night show, the late night comedy shows and all where they're sheltering in place and doing their shows that way. So I think the standards of terms of what people think is, is broadcast quality even is going to be changing. So many vendors, so little time. Expecting me to know them all is practically a crime, but it's what my job's about. Yeah. It makes me want to shout. Yeah. I need some help deciding who to use without a doubt. Something everyone wants. Like a secret decoder. Something everyone needs. Like your own baby Yoda. Help me to choose. I can't afford to lose. Isn't there a website that I really ought to use? Martech.health. Martech.health. Do yourself a favor. Check it out for yourself. Need to find a vendor? This is the way. Martech.health. Who you gonna pick today? Martech.health is the vendor directory built specifically for healthcare marketing, communications, and digital professionals. People like you. Founded and run by the OG himself, Healthcare Internet Hall of Famer Ed Bennett. It's designed to make your next vendor selection process less painful. And here's why. Over 600 vendors across 40 industry categories. Verified vendor reviews and ratings from your peers. A resource library of articles, videos, and events. Plus, an anonymous messaging tool to get your vendor questions answered without worrying about endless callbacks. All of this is free to use and share. Check it out at martech.health. Where do we all go from here? That's the question on everyone's mind. You know, when do we start pivoting? What is that new direction that we're going? What parts of this existing crisis period do we bring with us? You know, whether it is parts of, of a new remote work reality, like you were describing, specifically on the healthcare side, like what are people ready for? Like what are, what are people, what messaging and what marketing is really ready to go to? And so that's going to be the topic of our rap battle today. So let's dive into that. Rap battle! The rap battle is where we challenge the way things have been going on. And the ironic thing about the rap battle lately in recent weeks has been that 
there is no current way of doing things anymore. <laughs> like the, <laughs> everything has been thrown out the window. So I'm curious, even kind of setting the stage for that. Like, what what are you seeing either from you know from your team, from your colleagues, from the industry, from others that you have found interesting or surprising as we've been going through this, and in, in terms of marketing and, and planning and communication, social media, digital, and anything in this world. Like, what what types of things are you seeing? Just things that have, have struck you as interesting. Well, I mean, I think what's uh, the big thing that's struck me as interesting is how everything has been all COVID-19 all the time. That's what people are, are interested in. That's what's dominating them. I mean, it went to a $2.2 trillion, you know, federal you know, bill uh, in support of the CARES Act. That's when something is totally, what it is so, you know, consuming everybody's consciousness because they're either concerned about the, the disease itself, the virus itself, or they're seeing what the economic impact is. And I saw just this morning another you know, 5 million you know, new unemployment claims. And so I guess because of that, I mean, we had, there was some of the, some of the content that we had scheduled that was, you know, in support of our patient app and, you know, is was, was more evergreen kind of content. You know, we did have one example of, it wasn't totally jarring, but it was a little bit, you know, incongruous with the with the current environment. That it was, you know, it was kind of related to something about jet lag or something like that. It was like <laughs> nobody is flying anymore, and so we ended up, you know, pulling that down and we did, you know, check out ahead to make sure that any of the other stuff that we had sort of pre-scheduled over the next few months was was going to fit. So I think the you know a big part of it is just ensuring that. Our content is, you know, in keeping with the times and keeping what people are concerned about. And, you know, we did have to tell, you know, our specialty practices that, yeah, long term, obviously, as as we are beginning to pivot and we're getting to that point where that's going to be happening. Yeah, we're going to be looking at messaging about, you know, how and when it's appropriate to visit and that we are, you know, is it is safe to come and that the precautions that we're taking to even with a little less social distance that we think will be coming soon, that we still do things like masking, you know, and both for the providers and for the patients and just what that new way of, of operating is going to be. What's it been like planning for so many different scenarios? You know, one of those being, you know, where you're going to have a, a surge of patients either during or, or after the, the main crisis period, you know, planning for all these different instances and, and, and cases it had to have been, I mean, needless to say, the challenge has been tremendous. So how do you even go about planning for all the scenarios all at once? Yeah, I mean, that's the really interesting thing. I mean, that, that's, it's totally true is that the situations are changing so much. So you have to plan for alternates and then you also have to adapt as you see which of the alternates is is working the branches into a new set of, of alternates so alternatives so it's yeah it's been uh, you know super challenging and then you know dealing with you know the financial implications of it we did have you know announcement just last week that we were going to have some workforce you know temporary workforce reductions in terms of things that we have to do over the summer so Mayo Clinic did and has protected pay for all of its staff uh, through April 28th but as this is stretched out and that's had a pretty significant impact we've had to look at you know how do we manage all this also then in the context of we'll be having some you know, staff reductions over the next few months to kind of 
it has been publicly said that if the changes, if we hadn't made any changes, we'd be looking at a $3 billion loss this year. And so how do we manage to get to under a billion? You know, that's our, which is kind of crazy to think of having a year in which you lose a billion dollars, you know, just under a billion dollars. That's part of that that mix that we've had to, um, we did like if you'd have asked me three months ago, you know, are you going to be, you know, how would you feel about losing, having the organization lose $900 million? We all would have said, oh, that's like, how could we even imagine? Well, that's kind of baked in now, you know, and now it's, how do we actually get back to that point? And we're feeling good about the planning, but we just know it's going to take everybody you know, pulling together and being resourceful to make it all work. So these are not the types of decisions that we typically hear, right? You know, just right. the, if nothing else, just the, there's an additional kind of weight to it, I guess. There, it's not just how do we, how do we optimize? How do we grow? How do we do what we're doing better? These are major integrated decisions with the business. And, and like you said, for that to be the decision, how can we cut a $3 billion loss to under a billion dollars. I mean, yeah, that's not, like you said, that's not what you expected to have to right. deal with at the beginning of the year. And so... And the good news on it from the marketing perspective is that there are a bunch of patients who wanted to come to us in the last couple months who haven't been able to come. And now they'll be able to come. So a big part of the first first part of this is just getting in contact with them and letting them know that they can be scheduled now. And whereas we've had certain parts of the practice that have been substantially idled, now they might be on a six-day week, you know, to catch up with some of those. And that'll help, you know, with this as well. And then as the financial performance starts to improve, then we'll be able to bring back more of our, you know, shared services staff to be able to continue the ramp up. So it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be an intricate dance. Yeah, to say the least. I need a dime, ain't faking a bump. You crank out content, but it's getting stale. It might be nutritious, but it tastes like kale. You're down with finding a way to up your marketing game. Yeah, but when you look for help, everyone seems lame. We're Altera Digital. Google us and see. We're spelled like ultra with an extra E. We'll help you market forward. Google us and look. We're Altera Digital. It's off the hook. Hey guys, this is Jared. Altera Digital is just another name for our consulting team that helps you when your content, your strategy, or your brand is getting stale. You know, like that chocolate glazed donut that was a little piece of heaven in the morning, but when you left it on your desk until 4.13 in the afternoon and you went to finish it off, by then, mm, not so heavenly, was it? By now, you know our philosophy that content is the future, but only when it engages audiences and it isn't a snooze fest. And you've heard how we roll. The healthcare rap, what you're listening to right now is Exhibit A. We don't do boring. So if your content, your special event, or your strategy is getting stale, let us help you give it that spark, that rhythm, that new life you're looking for. Ulterra Digital, marketing forward. Okay, now back to the podcast, right? Because it's pretty legit. So how and when do we start pivoting to some sort of whatever that new normal is, right? In terms mm-hmm. of our, our marketing and our digital strategies as the pandemic, as we get at least on the other side of the curve. I don't hear anyone thinking or really saying that it's all going to completely die down and, and, and we're, we're good after that. No, there's going to be a new normal state. Uh, there's going to be a new 
kind of a new, a, a, like a day to day, week to week, figuring what, out what that is. So in terms of like the how and when do we start pivoting? What, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what are your recommendations for even how to get started or how to make that decision? Yeah, well, I mean, with, with as fast as everything has been changing and the good, I mean, it, for the last four or five weeks or so, the changes have all seemed to be in the bad direction, you know, and so it does look like as we're looking nationally at the, the curve flattening, as they say, and, and then it looks like in, in to some extent we're on the, the downside of it, you know, that's, it, it is even just in the next, in, in the last couple of days and, and today, I mean, we're having meetings about how do we start to, you know, send out the right kind of messages. How do we make sure that we're managing it, you know, correctly? And I mean, we have had to, you know, drastically cut back in terms of, any, you know, any messaging that wasn't COVID nineteen. Now we're just starting to, and it'll be, it'll be based on the practice. It'll be based on, you know, what are the messages that we need to get out to our patient base so that they can stay looped. So a big part of what we've been doing over over the last. I mean, we obviously are communicating with uh, the public and with patients, but we've got a 66,000 staff member audience that's been huge for us to be uh, reaching as well and, and keeping plugged in and helping them to understand what's going on. And so we have to be thinking about, I mean, I'm associated with marketing, I work with marketing, but a big, you know, we're in the public affairs you know, biz in terms of my, my team's role in the, in the department that I'm in. And so it's, it's managing the impact in the whole organization and not just the marketing side. Well, I appreciate you, you mentioning that part because that is such a focus and it can be too easily just, just not even considered. I've heard it described as even having crisis communications plan and a crisis marketing plan and having mm-hmm. the two integrated and, and understanding the difference. You know, one is, one, one is going to be clearly focused on making, sh- you know, redoing creative, you know, in, in your campaigns and, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And, and, you know, reviewing a completely different data set versus, you know, a crisis communication plan, which is going to be focused on a different audience. And so the, the, the two pieces together, I, I'm, what I've been pleased to hear is how often hospitals and health systems are, at least addressing both of those, whether they haven't done that before in the past, they have figured out how to marry the two a lot better. It seems like during this crisis than in the past. Yeah. I mean, we've had some interesting things that we've you know had to do that. Like when we went to having a lot of people teleworking and also, you know, I mentioned that we've had Mayo Clinic protecting the, the pay of its staff through April 28th. So there are people that were what we say are deployed to home. How do you stay in touch with them when they don't, some of them don't have VPN access. And so they can't get behind the firewall to get at our employee news center. How do we make sure that they get access to that? We have had an interesting thing that was in the works that (laughs) we really pushed forward to get done and to get released. And it's a mobile app for Android and iOS that is, essentially puts the our employee news center in the palm of the employee's hand. They have to sign in with their LAN ID and password and actually only employees are the ones they're the only ones that can, can download the app. But just have it navigating through that process of how you do that outside the firewall when people can't even get on campus was seriously challenging. But yeah, the importance of staying connected with the you know, we've made the commitment that we're 
you know, even as we're having going to be having some furloughs, the this isn't a long term staffing kind of thing. It's a deal. It's a dealing with that three billion dollar problem that we talked about, and we're looking forward to hopefully later in the year being able to have everybody you know back up to full speed. That's really good to hear. I appreciate the just the thought and the planning that goes into all the considerations. At the end of the day, these are. Uh, these are people, their staff, their communities, mm-hmm. there's patients, the providers, all the different audiences come back to people who are all just as concerned with everything that's going on. And, and to be able to voice that and, and show that in the tone of your communications is so important. And so that, that's what we appreciate, you know, looking to the, the leadership of you and your team of being able to provide that. And that does, it, it shows through in, in how things come across and how the messaging, how it's crafted. So personally, I'm hoping, you know, that you know, you've been able to weather this in a decent way too, right? You know, that we have our industry community, it feels like there's the... Right. Kind of like the community around HCIC, you know, healthcare internet conference, just the the cross section of digital and comms and marketing, all four hospitals and health systems. I've heard from others, you know, other colleagues as I've spoken with them that that's the community that they've gone to kind of lean on virtually, right? So, right. So, like you said, I, I we we can see kind of a light at the end of the tunnel where social distancing restrictions are going to be modified, not completely. You know, we're not going to go back to completely. Now everyone's going to go back in public like the way we used to, but they'll probably be loosened in the near future. But that doesn't mean that their life goes back to normal. And so the thought of being able to rely back on a, a community that we have stayed connected with virtually anyway, I know has made a difference for, for other colleagues I've spoken with. Uh, what's it been like for you in terms of relating to like the HCIC community out there during a, a time like this? Yeah, I mean, between the, the HCIC and, you know, we're also doing some work with Shushman and we also have the, you know, Mayo Clinic Social Media Network, which is our network for, first of all, for Mayo Clinic staff who are interested in using social media, but then for our colleagues at other uh, hospitals and health systems elsewhere. That community, uh, the fact that whether we're staying in touch, you know, through our community site or through LinkedIn, and as I said, there there's a broader, a more, a more Generic. I don't. Generic isn't the right word, but just a, a very broad-based peop, of people who do healthcare communications, healthcare marketing, digital stuff. That it has been really, actually, I think, kind of refreshing in terms of how there's just been expressions of concern and opportunities for people to maybe slow down a little bit and make and maintain some of those connections. I think has been good. So it's weird how. Yeah, we're still doing the twelve-hour days, but they're from home. <laughs> but that to uh, when you're working those those long days and trying to manage this all, that you know you are really connected. All your work is online, and so as a result, I think there's there are more opportunities. People taking breaks to to uh, connect with others and just because we're all seeing things that we've never seen before. I mean, there's no one alive who has seen anything like this. The Spanish flu was the last one that was kind of like this. And thankfully, it seems like we headed off, you know, another Spanish flu in terms of the the fatalities. And so that's, you know, so that's great. But just the economic devastation that uh, comes out of this, it's totally uncharted territory. And we have uncharted territory. It's great to have peeps, you know, folks who are going through some of the same things and kind of being able to bounce ideas off them and see if, see if they're seeing the same insights or if they have any other ideas. 
and I think we're all stronger uh, when we can learn together like that. 100% agree with that. There is a strong value in the virtual community and to especially during a time like this when we have not been able to have any other type of interaction with our friends and colleagues within that community, it means even more. So mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure I gave us a couple of, of minutes here also to talk about the event that, that you have coming up in June, the, the conference. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, it's a real, it's kind of an interesting story because back in November, uh, Lisa Hinkle from Shushman uh, approached uh, me and, and, and also Dan Hinman, who's our community director for the Mayo Clinic Social Media Network, and said they had an idea that in addition to their conference that they do, they'd like to do a virtual conference and they wanted to be on advanced social media techniques in healthcare, social media and marketing and, and digital, just that whole concept. And they, you know, offered us the chance to join with them and to have it be something that we do maybe in May or June and that they would still do their conference in the fall. As we looked at it, we said, we've done 10 years in a row of a conference that is hosted by the Mayo Clinic Social Media Network. What if we just make this our annual conference? Like, this is our annual event that we do. I mean, they were going to still do their their other one. But that, yeah, we could, they asked, you know, so Shushman offered us a chance to work with them on it and that it'd be a virtual event. And that, and so we, we worked that out. Little did we know that four or five months later, people would be starting canceling these spring conferences. So it looks, uh, it looks smarter than it is, <laughs> but it was, uh, it's a pretty neat, so it's a day long, or two day, essentially June uh, 2nd and 3rd, I believe. Now, one recent decision that we just made, and Lisa suggested it, and I totally agreed with it, is that we're making it free because even though it was a, a greatly reduced rate for a virtual conference, we also recognize busy everybody is and that everybody else is getting their budgets cut. So this is going to be a compelling, interactive, two-day conference where we're going to deal with some not beginner basic, not beginner level stuff, but have some case studies as well as some you know, good, inspiring keynotes. And we're just um, thrilled that because of this, I mean, the whole idea was avoid the travel expense and have a, a relatively low price for uh, participation. But we just think now more than ever, this uh, virtual community is really needed. And uh, this is a chance for us to provide a, a mechanism for you know, maybe by that time, people are really starting to gear up. And so talking about that new normal as we get, I'm thinking we're six weeks out from this now, I think, six or eight, something like that, six, seven weeks, that by then, I think we hopefully will be on a, a more uh, solid trajectory and people be ready to get back to marketing and communicating for hopefully constructively. I mean, it's a, right now we're just dealing with avoiding damage, but looking to be able to build toward the future, I think is going to be really exciting. Well, can't wait to check that out. And, and that's a, a very commendable decision to make it free and, and to just open it up in that way. So fantastic. And he said it was June 2nd and 3rd. And uh, I was glad we had a couple minutes to chat about that. I just want to thank you for all your insights today, Lee, and, and for kind of opening this up to us and, and giving us kind of a, a look inside, like how it's been for, for you and your team and, and colleagues and, and the entire organization. It's so amazing. We, we're all going to look back at this time period and say, man, we got through this and we got through it together. So thanks for taking time to, to be on the program today. What's the best way for listeners to reach you if they, if they want to get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, if they, I mean, if you can get me on Twitter, Lee Acey, L E E A A S E is my 
Twitter handle. It's it's my universal name. It's great having a, a short name with lots of balls that's unique. Otherwise, just uh, socialmedia.mayaclink.org is our uh, Mayaclink social media network community. Invite them to to check it out. We've got a, a free membership, and we also, in this time, have reduced our premium membership rate by a hundred dollars. Uh, for those who want to get access to some of the additional materials that we have. So we want to, you know, make it all more accessible and, and uh, provide the, the help that people need. Fantastic. Well, Lee, stay safe and keep up the amazing work in these unpredictable times. Thanks, Jared. Great talking with you today. Hey, everyone. One quick note. Go check out the video series. It's called Now What? It's a four-part panel discussion video series that's on demand. You can find it by searching on YouTube for shift.health. I want to thank Lee, and I want to thank you for being a part of this posse. Don't forget to listen, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the brand new shift.health podcast network. Okay, go check that out at shift.health. We've got a lot of other member podcasts that I can't wait for you to check out. These are podcasts that you need to know about as a healthcare marketer. So on behalf of Lee, Keep marketing forward. Hang in there. Thanks. And that's a wrap.